to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome, everybody. This is Man Up Spiritual Oysters for Men podcast, podcast number 190. Hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around, bang! Not really sure where you ended up, but spin it around, find Texas, southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. Uh, this is the No Church Answers Tour. You know, we're not pastors, we're just regular guys. And each of us on our own spiritual journey, we feel all men are leaders, leaders of your families, leaders at work, leader in your church and community. But sometimes that lead dog needs to be fed and spiritually recharged. And that is why we're here. So whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, our website, which is man-upspiritualoasis.com, pray.com, or our new YouTube page, uh, man here, here. Here, here. Uh, We're glad that you're joining us. You know, God's word comes to us in many ways, sometimes through pastors, through sunsets, through nature, music, friends, and yes, even podcasts. And so that's what we're here to do, particularly in this uh <clears throat> charged environment where you don't have the opportunity to freely express yourself like you normally would and explore areas of faith that's what we're here for and men in particular uh, don't have that opportunity and so we're glad that you join us weekly for this podcast we are in uh, a baptist way press publication called pure joy and the subtitle is a choice to rejoice uh and it's the study of philippians and we've got a great panel here uh to go ahead and to discuss this and I want to start by uh introducing them start with uh, he's also our producer but he's a world-class policy writer and a bit of a professional gambler mr steve titch hey steve, hey, steve. Attorney and former prosecutor, Michael Cropper, we call him the judge. Hey, Mike, welcome. Thank you, Bill. Court's in session. Yeah, court's <laughs> that's right. And uh, a world-class corporate trainer at a Fortune 100 company and kind of the uh, group theologian, Robert Koshu. We call him the professor. Hey, Robert. Right, Robert. 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 Yeah. And insurance broker and deacon and resident Kunas, Kyle Trahan. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Kyle. <laughs> and my name is uh, Bill Cox. I'm basically a salesman and I'm the director. Yeah, um, Bill. <laughs> we are going to go dive right into this and uh, want to start by getting a brief overview on uh, this lesson uh, from Philippians and start with uh, our producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Well, I have some ideas along this line, but first uh, I'll come with questions since, and, and I'll look for those no church <laughs> answers. Uh, the church has 
been anything but united, it seems, maybe from practically day one, because we know from uh, both Paul and the letters of John and James and Peter, there was division going on. Oh, within, you know, 20, 30 years of the actual founding of these churches. And I don't think it ever stopped. And the, the theme or the point of today's lesson is staying united in Christ, united in the gospel. And Paul talks about uh, doing it, you know, uh, being in full accord and, in, and of one mind. And today, the church, as I said, is anything but united. And you look around the country, there's churches breaking up all over, over in some cases doctrinal differences, but in some cases what I think are some very uh, trivial or political issues that the church shouldn't be arguing about. And so uh, my basic question is, as we go through this is, what do they mean by, what does Paul mean? What does Paul mean by being of one mind? Does that mean we're all supposed to conform and think the same way? Or is it something else? Hmm, interesting, professor. So this passage actually reflects back on last week's. Um, because in last week's passage, we talked about standing firm in the faith. And now, so the answer is, if you stand firm in the faith, then this is what happens, you know, and in this love and joy are the kind of the keys to standing firm in the faith and building unity. If you don't start with that, then you don't get anything else. And so Steve kind of brought up last week, the uh, incident, the somewhere around January 13th at the U.S. Capitol and January 6th. Sixth. Okay, I can't remember the exact day. I I, I tried to blank it, um, but you know, there's something from that 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 is kind of a buzzword that's being thrown around right now called Christian nationalism. And what that means is is you're wrapping the flag around the Bible and the cross, and putting that around. Now, notice how I said that you're putting the Bible and the cross in the middle and wrapping the flag around it very distinct difference from some other things that you can do with it. And, you know, I, I, I want to come back and start talking a little bit about that. I've got a bunch of other notes here <laughs> on it, but part of this that we have to understand is that part of our calling and our faith is part of it is humility. And if we start from that perspective then when we stand firm, we're standing firm with the convictions that we have. And so I think as we start building through this lesson, we're going to end up hitting some of the other pieces. And remember, we, we talked about before, there's always a see other than other scripture. And the one this time, I think, is actually kind of key to it. So at some point during all this, I'm going to read Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, because it kind of ties in. And I think it has a big piece to it as far as how it moves around. So this is, this is going to get, this is going to get fun. Excellent. Uh, Michael Cropper. Yeah, we're looking at lesson five and the, the name of the lesson is United in the Spirit. And I believe Steve mentioned that, maybe Bill mentioned that also. 
but Paul asked the question, it's only four verses long, but it's, it's very rich. It's very, very powerful. And he asks the question to the Philippians, again, this is chapter two. So he changes directions here. He says, have you guys received any benefit from Christ? Anything at all? Have you received love, any, any comfort, any uh, participation, any affection, sympathy? If you have, then stop what you are doing and work together to promote the kingdom. He's pretty blunt with this because he thinks, and, and he's suggesting to them, there are dissensions among you, there are divisions among you that is causing problems with the rest of the church. So if the answer is yes to what I just asked, then please accept your fellow Christians and focus off yourselves. And Steve made a point to say that, yes, it's, it's all about being humble and uh, focus on your fellow Christians, at least place them in as high a regard as you do yourselves. And Christ is the ultimate example of humility. He washed the disciples' feet at the Last Supper. He left his position of the deity, and he lowered himself and came to the earth to redeem man from the first sin. Of course, he's the second Adam. So Christ told his disciples that if they want to be great, also in another passage of scripture, he says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you must humble yourselves like little children. That's Matthew 18, 3 and 4. Truly, I tell you, he says, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this, this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So it's not unusual for Paul to instruct the Christians in his letters to humble themselves and consider their fellow Christians more important than themselves. And then 1 Corinthians 10, 23 also talks to that in 24. Bill? Excellent. Uh, Kyle Trahan, your overview of the lesson. Staying together sometimes as a church, I can see being difficult. You know, during a storm, you know, because there's always storms of life. There's going to be things that will come at your church, um, come at your family and everything else. During the storm, as a guy anyway, during the storm is okay. It's after the storm is over is when, you know, a guy can step back and reflect on what happened and break down if he needs to, cry if he needs to, or not, if that's not what's warranted. But it's after the major events and things that can happen in a church that can bring the division. You know, I remember just in our own church, uh, you know, death of Pastor Phil, large event, something that happens in a church, and you lose people. You know, new people come in, new people or old people leave, and that can bring lots of different change, mindset, and and division into a church. So, reading this initial, uh, who knows what version this is in our Sunday school lesson? Is it's, that it's ESV? In this case, these early chapters are using in. Um, that English Standard Version, ESV? Yes, English Standard Version. Oh, my gosh. It confused the ever-living tar mm -hmm. It's close to NIV. It's, I, they use them. They use, Baptist Way uses both ESV and NIV, I guess, depending on what each author wants to, wants to use or is comfortable with. Well, the, the message seemed to sum it up a lot mm -hmm. better. And hopefully, we've got that prepared. I didn't see that, but uh, on the... So, but uh, anyway, um, Bill? 
All right, Kyle, uh, I'll go ahead and I'll read the uh, scripture in a moment. If you'll go ahead and get the uh, message version done, I'll come to you and have you read the message uh, once I'm done. All right. Kyle, and, uh, you know, I've been in uh, a couple of church splits now since I've been a member of uh, Sugarland Baptist Church. It was William Strace Baptist Church a couple of times and uh, a couple of different uh splits that they've had and and as an outsider's view um i i just have this to say things that people care deeply about they will take any offense equally or more deeply if you really care about something if you're offended or feel that you're slighted on that thing you will have that same level of offense or even more. Just my basic observation. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and read the, uh, read the message or read the uh, scripture. And I'm going to read, it's the ESV version. So this is Philippians 2, 1 through 4. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And with that, I'll go ahead and go to Kyle and let him uh, read the same text, but only from the message. All right. So, um, well, as you just said, same exact thing, just message. Uh, if you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor, agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends, don't push your way in front, don't sweet-talk your way to the top, put yourself aside and help others get ahead, don't be obsessed with your own advantage, forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Yeah, I, you know, I was, uh, because I was raised on a farm and I had a grandfather uh, that lived across the street. Um, he dealt with sayings. And one thing that he said on a regular basis was that if you focus on other needs, you will never need to focus on your own. And I think that's part of teamwork. And that's what Paul is talking about to me in this particular passage is being part of the team as opposed with everybody necessarily agreeing and doing the same thing, but be of like mind that you want the team to do better. So just wanted to go ahead and throw that out there and, uh, get some more, uh, comments, uh, start with, uh, Steve Titch. Well, that's a good thought. Walking away really shouldn't be an option. And 
it's become very much the thing in all relationships, it seems. Mar you know, marriage, friends, this whole idea of, you know, I'm just going to walk away. Cancel and culture. It, 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 I mean, cancel. that's made to be the epitome of that. I'm going to cut you off. Uh, and that's what we're seeing in, in with churches. And I think this is more about uh, church splits, at least where I'm coming from, where people uh, leave, where, where, where a group of people leave the denomination, they take their church away, they vote. It comes to a vote. We've seen that a lot in the Presbyterian church, just here in, in Houston and in Texas, because of arguments they're having with uh, the the church, it's basically the, the, the synods, I'm not going to get into the, the way it's structured, but essentially the um, the national board of elders of the national board of the church, which are all elected, but uh, they're, they're voting in, uh, at least from the southern point, from the Houston point of view, from some churches down south, they're voting in a synod that is not just liberal, but uh, basically breaking basic rules of doctrine. Um, and, you know, you can go find those debates uh, on, the, on the internet if you want. I'm not going to take sides quite yet. But nonetheless, uh, so you have churches that are voting to leave. The, um, the Lutherans have done the same thing. Um, Baptists are a lot more decentralized. You can, you can align with the Southern Baptist Conference or the Texas Baptists, which we're aligned with or not. Um, nonetheless, I'm going, but taking this back to the idea of just breaking away and quitting. And it, it speaks to both, both what I think Kyle and you were talking about, Bill. Uh, you want to focus on the relationship. The relationship is an organism in and of itself. And leaving it just out of pick out of well, I don't agree with everything, or or on the vice versa, or on the or on the flip side, people are pushing you out because of the way you interpret or understand scripture and disagree with you. That's wrong too. I mean, quitting is wrong, and pushing people out, ostracizing people, shunning people—that's also wrong. And I think Paul is pretty clear on that, but. Here's my question. Does it then come down to force of personality? You have a, a strong preacher, a strong pastor, or a strong board of elders that tend to be more insular, and they tend to resist change. And again, I, I think this is really difficult. And I think, I think good churches wrestle with it, and bad churches just indulge in it indulge themselves in, in division. Interesting. We're going to go ahead and take our hard break. Uh, this is Man Up, podcast number 190. We will be right back. Hey, pastors, pastors and church, church leaders. leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. 
Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back to Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast number 190. And we are talking about this this week's topic is uh, from Philippians, and it's talking about stand united. And uh, talking, uh, we just segmented into uh, church splits. And one thing about being a team, uh, and and I feel that the churches, because people, the churches that I've been in that have went through splits, it's because people. It's not because people neglect the team. It's because people care too much about the team, but there's a few that just won't stay in their lane. And no, Bill, Bill they, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it over to the other guys. But Bill, no, I think it's what, what we're talking, what well, Paul addresses here. It's pride. I'm, I'm not giving in. I'm right. I'm right. Bruce. You're wrong. And, you know, here's, here's I'm going to pull out every piece of scripture that, that, that supports my view and anything you bring up, well, it just doesn't count. That's, so I don't, think, I don't think the people pushing these splits really have the group or the team in mind. So I'm gonna challenge you on that and leave it to the, leave it to the well, other guy. <laughs> uh, if you ever wonder why in every small town in Texas, just about, there's a first Baptist church and a second Baptist church, you just get, you just got the answer. Hey, Sarah's it's, dad was the pastor of Third Baptist. There you go. <laughs> there, so, there are a few of those even. Yes, there it, are. But, but a lot of times it does. I, I can tell you this. So late 80s, early 90s is when the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship that our church associates with, along with the BG Baptist General Convention, Texas, was formed as part of the Southern Baptist Convention um, quote-unquote split, uh, doctrinal disagreement, whatever you want to call it at that point. It really wasn't a split because Baptists are, we're just different. But it started with good, and, and I think this is where it comes in at, and this is where I think it works. In that particular instance, it started with good intentions. There was a couple of professors, one or two of those professors, at Southern Baptist Seminary mainly, if, I, if I'm, I'm remembering everything correctly. The Southern Baptist Convention has five seminaries, or at that time had five. I'm thinking they may be down to four now. I think Mid-America closed. But there was five seminaries. There was a professor or two there who literally was pure, just Bible ain't true. None of this is true. It's all just like totally doctrinally off. So it started with, we've got to get rid of professors like that and not let them have tenure. Now, I'm going to make an argument that that is a good thing. If you are in a theological seminary and you have a Bible of old, a professor of Old Testament telling you, well, none of this stuff in the Old Testament is true. It's all false. He probably doesn't need to be teaching in your seminary if that's a doctrinal truth that you hold to. Go teach it. Pacific School of Religion, Harvard, anywhere else, that's fine. However, what happened was, as that went on, personalities and power became involved. And once the personalities and power became involved, 
it became about the individual people, not, hey, we've got to take care of this. And part of it was, as this passage calls out, it was leaving that spirit of love and joy and humility and coming together. Now they'll tell you, oh no, we had love everybody. Yeah, I was I was around when all that was going on and and pretty decently around it. And it got nuts. And it got nuts because people became with the power and they became entranced with the power. And the minute we start doing and, and I kind of alluded to this at the beginning, when you take and you put the flag around the Bible and, and the cross, you end up with a bad form of things that are going on because that becomes important, not the Bible and the cross and the center of it becoming important. And I think part of our calling as men in this really is, as, as Bill's alluded to, is keep up with the team, stay within everybody, but also lead out. And leading out doesn't mean steamrolling over everybody to get your way. It's sit down and work and build the consensus and figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to approach it. Because doing that is the only way to do it. Because a couple of the interesting words in here. So, Bill, you have to buzz me later because I've got a couple of Greek words here. So the encouragement word actually comes from the word pericles, which is the comfort, consolation, exhortation, entreaty. It's actually the same phrase that gets used of the Holy Spirit. Love, the love here is the agape love. And then fellowship is a word called koinonia. And koinonia refers to partnership and participation as you look at them. And so that in particular, I think, is where it comes in, because once you become my way or no way, and we're not even going to, and Mike, you can talk to this a little bit, you know, think of partnerships where the partners aren't working together. You know, that's when things get crazy. Yeah. Is when you Excellent. Michael Cropper. <laughs> you, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Uh, Robert, the partnerships, and, and there are legal organizations and legal entities that deal with partnerships, and yes, uh, rarely do any of them last a long time. But very, only a very few last for a long, long time because the the, uh, the partners in the relationship will each treat themselves and their opinions uh, much more highly than the other person who is in the partnership. Um, so anyway, so what is pride? I gotta go to this just for a second. It's very interesting. We've been talking about this, and everybody knows what pride is. But dictionary.com says it's a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction, which is derived from one's own achievements and the achievements of those with whom one is closely associated, or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. Well, the the uh, the first two ideas that we are looking at in this particular lesson, the main idea is churches often face the danger of discord generated by selfishness, which again is caused by pride, which is Bill has said, uh, Steve has said, uh, it, it's elating yourselves above your fellow church members, your fellow Sunday school members. It's you know, elevating your opinion to the negation of the other person's uh, opinion such that that 
they do not get to give their their opinion. Now, the uh, the story gives an example of someone sharing his testimony. If you all read it, Bennard is a kind, rather scruffy person who loves Jesus. He's at the first of the lesson. And uh, he's attending a youth camp with the church for the person who wrote our particular letter, our particular uh, lesson, pardon me. And the combination that the camp are pretty horrible, but somehow Bennard's testimony opens the doors for the Holy Spirit to touch the heart of several young people. Uh, one of them gives his life to the Lord. People are asking forgiveness for him, I think, said they would, uh, they have dedicated themselves to the call of the Lord. Anyway, the story gives us an example of someone sharing his testimony without thought or consideration if he's going to be ridiculed. And I, I think that's an important observation, too. That's simply, if you want to share your life about Christ, and you have to do it without any consideration if you're going to be ridiculed or not. Bill? Interesting. Uh, Kyle Trahan. You know, the, the author wrote something in the within the lesson. Um, love, participation, affection, and sympathy are the qualities that solidify family or familial bonds. You know, that that is such a, a major truth because that's basically saying the opposite of strife, you know, in my eyes, which strife in the familial you know, uh, situation will just tear apart or certainly can. Um, we have to, you know, look after and take care of our fellow man. You know, I wrote something back here. Where did I put that? Uh, uh, kind of a military concept of leave no man behind. You have to constantly support each other because if we don't, who's gonna? Even if you're not biologically or blood or whatever family, uh, by marriage, whatever, um, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And so you are supposed to look after everybody, your neighbor, your enemy and everything else. And, you know, if we try and take care of each other like family, we can find great joy within that family. And, you know, me personally, I, I love trying to treat Well, Even my, my business slogan is, we treat you like family. I, I put it on a flyer uh, where I, I still go and do events and everything. And my mother lives in the building and I put on my flyer, I'm going to treat you like family. And if I don't, you can go tell my mom. But yeah, she lives in the, in the building. She lives inside the you know gate there. So it was a fun little pun. But it, it is my philosophy is to try and treat everybody like family. Um, but that can also, you know, I think as we've said earlier, be very, very difficult, uh, times depending on the dynamics of the family, but it's something we need to strive to do. Excellent. And with that, we're going to take our second break and we'll be back to treating you like family. When we come back, this is podcast number 190. You're listening to the Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. It's brought to you by Man Up Media. I'm Pastor Chris Busher, and hey, I know these guys. Their podcast is gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, 
Facebook under Man Up, and all other podcasts are archived on SoundCloud and now even on Pray.com app. They're not pastors, but they're very reliable, regular guys, and that's why their No Church Answers tour movement is growing so fast. So for The Uncommon Man by Equally Uncommon Men, contact Man Up at www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now back to the podcast and fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast number 190, talking about standing united. And uh, a couple of notes that I had taken and taken from this is churches have people that want to participate. That's the that's the whole thing. You're not forced to be a participant in in church and in the organization. However, I do feel that they don't often use uh, people the, I don't wanna say, I shouldn't use the term use. They don't allow the people to participate with the talents that they have in the right areas. Oftentimes you'll find people in churches that are overstressed They're They've taken on way too much. And why? Well, the reason is, is that the people who are in charge are used to certain people saying yes for certain types of tasks that come up. And so they may not be particularly skilled at leadership or management and know the talents of all the people that are volunteering. And so continually go back to one person that just says yes. And then all of a sudden that first person feels overburdened and blows up or, you know. They're they're involved so much, they're involved right out of the church. They're involved, exactly. (laughs) Whereas, and I I put in my notes, false humility is not humility. And if people would just be real, and in uh, churches, it's probably one of the hardest places for you to find people that are real. And... uh, But I think if we had the opportunity to just keep it real, let everybody know, then people would be able to participate in a quality, a talent, and a level that fits what they have to offer. I've had direct experience with what you're talking about uh, at the at the. Presbyterian Church I went to in Chicago so many years back when I was I was that's when kind of I I renewed my faith and started going back to church regularly with with Sharon uh, we joined um, a, we joined the large Presbyterian Church in Evanston um, and you know first yeah I I was started doing what I'm doing here I started teaching a class. Um, then my phone rang and said, Steve, would you like to be on the adult education committee? Well, okay. Now it's new Christian. 
uh, my phone rang again. Well, Steve, would you like we, you you work at at down at uh, you do right. you do newspaper work? Would you like to do the newsletter? We need somebody to do the newsletter, and I, I, I foolishly said right. said yes. Now and then finally they they rang up and said, Steve, would you like to join the Deacons? Now this is I, this is Evanston, Illinois. This is the largest Presbyterian church in Evanston, Illinois. It it was, you know, a huge congregation yet. Uh, every couple of months, they were calling me and asking me to sign up for something because, well, Steve said yes. Steve and, said yes. And this is that's a that's a that's a church management issue. Well, Bill, as you know, there, there's two dangers here. There, there's two dangers here. Let me explain what I mean by that. Danger number one is exactly what you're talking about. You burn the people out that volunteer because they're always the one saying yes to it. Right. Um, and it, it, like in life, you know, just about everything you find out, about 5% of the people were doing 95% of the work. Homeowners you know, association. Yeah, that, that's another great right. example. Um, the other problem is this. When you do that, you surround yourself with what I call bobbleheads. And everybody knows what a bobblehead does, right? And they say, yeah. up and down. Yes, man. Yeah. <laughs> And that is in churches, in corporate America. Matter of fact, I can tell you right now, for the vast majority of CEOs, where most of them, where they all got in trouble, where they got in trouble was, they Hank, Hank Greenberg from AIG, I was a former AIG employee. I could say I'm a recovering AIG employee. <laughs> <laughs> um, he surrounded himself with a bunch of yes men. They were all his men. And so Hank said, I want to do this. Okay, Hank. And I think what it is, okay, Hank. And we'll do it that way. Okay, Hank. And then next thing you know, AIG is under investigation and there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And it was just nuts. And it, it's part of the deal of you've got to not be afraid to have hard conversations, right or wrong, own your mistakes. Um, recently read a book, The Question Behind the Question, which talks about why do we always jump to the negative? And instead, we actually need to be asking, how can we solve the problem, not just point the blame? And looking at those, when you end up with these yes men, you end up with people that do that. One, one of my tricks, so quick leadership trick, if you are running projects, and you have a friend or you find your closest friend on the project. And I've done this when I run projects. I always find my really good friend. I say, here's the deal. I need you to do me a favor. He said, what? I said, I don't care if what I'm saying is the greatest thing in the universe. And it's really what we ought to do. I need you to take the opposite opinion of it. Because what happens when you get those small groups running and it starts running down one way or the other way, you not only get a bunch of yes men, so you end up not paying attention to what's going on and you end up in trouble. The other thing you do is, is you end up developing groupthink. And I think part of what you end up with when you end up with groupthink with this as well, then you start driving it down the other way as well. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us to be groupthink. You know, matter of fact, some of the best, best, absolute, positive stories in the Bible or when they questioned God. Go read Job. I read Job a 
couple of weeks ago. And Job is all about questioning God. <laughs> at the, aggressively. Aggressively. Can't yeah. you imagine the disciples sitting around? I mean, you're of different cultures. You're of different mindsets. You're of different backgrounds and, and you know, um, occupation and everything else. Don't you know they had spirited conversations? They, they had to have questioned him. Go, we don't understand. I mean, so many times we saw that, that their, their minds were cluttered or whatever, that they didn't totally understand what he was saying. Mm-hmm. They had to have gone in and be saying, what? And giving opposition back. But that's also how we learn, how we grow. It's the exchange of ideas. If we all thought the same, we'd all be robots. Right. As we write on our website, iron sharpens iron. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Let's bring Michael Cropper in here on this discussion. (laughs) Mike and I'm enjoying this bill. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing I want to say is disagreements are normal in a church. Right, guys? I mean, let's face it. Disagreements are normal, but it's how you handle those disagreements and whether pride is involved or whether it goes too far. Uh, very simple example of pride in the Old Testament, of course, we know David and Bathsheba, we know Naaman the leper, who was a Syrian or, or, or the general of the Syrian army, and he believed in God and he came to Israel to be healed because their slave daughter, who was a, a Jewish girl, had told. Uh, Naaman's wife, I believe, that, that there is a man in Israel that could heal him. And uh, Naaman took much, much, much treasure and things and brought him and went to the king and asked the king to heal him. And the king just tore his clothes and said, what do you think I am, a, a, a miracle worker? Then uh, there was somebody in the king's presence who said, go to Elisha. Elisha can heal him. And uh so Naaman, the leper, he went to Elisha and he asked him and he waited out on his horse and he waited. This is the beginning of the pride. He's waiting on his horse or donkey, whatever he was riding for Elisha to come out and say, move the magic wand or move his hand or whatever and say, you're healed. And Elisha didn't come out. He said, come out. He sent his servant. He sent him outside and says, go in the river Jordan, right? And, and dunk seven times, I believe. In the Jordan, the Jordan River is a very dirty river. And uh, Naaman, pride almost took his healing. He says, what? Are you kidding? Are you insulting me? I've got to go to that dirty river when I can go back to my own country and there are springs of clear water where I can I can baptize or, or, or dunk in the water and be healed. And, and luckily, one of his servants with him said, look, you've come this far. Go ahead and do it go to the Jordan, do it. And he did. He broke down, went there uh, against his desire and pride, and he was healed completely. So pride is a, pride is a, an amazing thing. We, we see it in our churches. Of course, you guys have been talking about uh, different churches and, and, and what we see in them. I, 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 now I don't know that this happens, but I'm thinking of a senior pastor saying, hey, man, wasn't that sermon good? <laughs> what my sermon good but but uh anyway uh, the choir directors youth ministers yes there is an opportunity to show pride and disagree 
uh, with people in your church around you, but don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> the, the disagreements are normal, but don't do it. Humble yourselves and lift the other person up who you are involved with. Bill? We're getting down to the end of this discussion on Stand United. And I wanted to just throw this out. Um, Stand United to me does not mean that everybody stands in the same spot and looks in the same direction. It's, it's not like an army. To me, it's about influence. It's about letting faith come into your life, making your life better, and empowering you to make other people's lives better. And I think oftentimes when we get into groups, we expect because we're, we're in with a, a group of people, all of a sudden we're going to steamroll and we're going to make everybody the same and it's all going to be, it's all going to go in the same direction and it's all going to go smoothly. And I think that is a fallacy that, and that, that's not gonna. That's not gonna happen, because uh, it's it's God's kingdom uh, that we're working for. Uh, it's not a tangible profit um, or something that you can measure. That is like uh, in the business world that we're all that we're all a part of. But what it is is making a difference in people's lives. And you never know if that difference that you're going to make, either as an individual or as a group, is going to happen today, tomorrow, weeks, months, or years from now. But that, but you're planting a seed, not knowing whether it's going to germinate overnight or if it's going to take months or years to germinate. And so and with that, I'd like to go around the room uh, one final time and, and get, some, uh, get some more comments from the fellows and start with the uh, professor. So if you want to see a little bit more about reconciliation and hope, um, specifically as it relates and is discussed in Colossians 1, 20 through 23, and I think this is the one where we had some discussion about exclusion or disassociation or how you dealt with that. I didn't get a chance to really delve too deeply into it, but I think that's this is the right one. Um, go listen to podcast 134, Colossians 1, 22 through 23, Reconciliation and Hope. Um, encourage anybody that does that. This is at the end of the day. And, and I think this is where we come into it. And it goes a little bit back into some, some of the previous discussions we've had. And, and it, it's kind of like when, when I was growing up, and I'm thinking you guys had a very similar experience. I could get away with about 75 to 100% more inside the four walls of my home than I ever could outside of my home. Because as my as I was told, do not do anything to make this family look bad. There's the house. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think what it comes down to as Christians is we have our discussions internally, 
and we have them, but we don't air our dirty laundry on the outside. You know, if we're going to have those big discussions, let's have them in the church, and then let's all find a way to to come together and present that unified world. And I think, and this was the other passage, it's Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And I think that's where the bottom line comes in is that once we get beyond that, that's when we start getting into trouble. And so, Excellent. So stand firm. Kyle Trahan. Something that I, I had circled earlier um, from, from our text tonight is don't or do nothing from selfish ambition and conceit. And to me, it translates in as don't take advantage <clears throat> of your, your fellow man or and or woman. You know, when there's... The, the crazy thing is, is, I stopped to think about even what I wrote here is, you know, a disaster. There's always scammers. There's always, you know, after anything, now I tell you, be wary. They're, these are the scams that are coming out, you know, because of this. People taking your money for a roof that they never intend on putting on your, your home after a hurricane or whatever. For the message, that, you know, is don't be that scammer. You know, look for what you can do to enrich someone else's life um you know e even tonight uh or earlier today there was a, a lady that i spoke with that she just needed some assistance you know some guidance and it's not anything that i make money on but it's out of the kindness of my heart that i offer i have that knowledge why should i hold it and use it for my own personal gain. You know, I, I may never help this lady in insurance what I do and make a financial gain, but that's okay with me. I love what I do because I can help this lady. And if you keep that mindset, it, it all comes back in spades. It, it comes back hugely upon yourself that if you take care of people without a personal gain in mind, they'll remember. They'll, they'll take care of you in the same format. It will come back. And so that gives me, at least, the consolation to know that I can help my fellow man. And whether it comes back financially, that's not necessarily what I'm saying. It can come back spiritually or, or just as in a friend. You know, we have to bond together, and that's the start, is being unselfish and doing what you can for your fellow fellow person. Excellent. Michael Cropper, a couple of takeaways I was looking at the, once again, the scriptures are very short, they're very powerful. And once again, Paul said, if there's any encouragement in Christ, comfort, love, participation, of anything at all, complete my joy by being of the same mind. 
remember, we're in the book of joy. We're in the book of um, well, pure joy. And I, and I asked myself, what, what is it that about this, this particular lesson that Paul finds very joyful? And that simply says, if you will do what I'm instructing you to do, set, all, set aside all your differences. And the last line in, le, in the uh, scriptures, verse four says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. He doesn't say completely squelch your own interest or, or your own subject, your own opinion. He just says, give others at least as much interest and as much uh, value as you have for yourself. Bill? Excellent. Um, Mr. Steve Ditch. Yes, we've been coming back to this if-then statement um, by Paul. And those are those really are the ingredients of humility, love, agape, common sharing, koanaya, uh, you know, being involved in other people's life, that participation. Um, it's so key to relationships, knowing what's going on, being part of that person's life or being part of the life of your church and the group of people with it. Um, the affection and tenderness, and of course, the sympathy and compassion, you take those four together, and then you have humility. Those are the ingredients of humility. And, and Paul is telling you not just to be humble, but showing you the traits to pursue to, to get there. And pursuit of those traits, of, of that Paul is saying, cannot help but keep the church united. Uh, pursuit of these traits cannot help but lead to joy uh, because these are things that you can't take away that somebody can't take away from you he he is he is there in chains and he can't do what he wants to be doing yet he can still be compassionate he can still be involved in people's lives. He can still ask his centurions or his guards, what's going on in your life? Uh, how, how are your wife? How are kids? And actually show interest and thereby create these connections. Now, inside the church, it's really important to keep those because if you have that human to human, peer to peer humility in your, connect in your connections, you're going to you're not going to throw it all away over something silly, over, over a disagreement. Um, you're going to want to work toward continue to building. And, and as, as, as you pointed out, Kyle, the dangers are, are ambition and conceit because they run counter to those traits. They're all self, self, they're selfish. Uh, these other traits aren't so much selfless as they are so much other directed, uh, that there are bigger things than yourselves. And, and I think that's, that's the key to remaining unified. And one thing about uh, churches, uh, it's different from being business. And if you're going to be a part of the business side of the church, involve yourself in the personal side of church as well. And with that, this is Man Up podcast number 190. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, on behalf of uh, our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, 
Michael Cropper, Robert Koshu, Kyle Trahan. My name is Bill Cox, and we're on this No Church Answers tour. So check out our new YouTube channel. Uh, so whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Pray.com. If you have a question or comment, you can go to our Facebook page or man-upspiritualoasis.com, our website, and you can post it there. And if you're still in the uh, COVID quarantine and are unable to attend a church, check out the Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It's a Baptist service on sugarlandbaptist.org, and it starts Sundays at 945. And when the quarantine is over, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and find a small group, ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School, that you can join for small group discussions like this and find one that is men only. And if there is one, start one. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You've got answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.